MSW Media. We'd like to thank our new sponsor, Microdose, for supporting the Daily Beans. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com, promo code DAILYBEANS. It's available nationwide. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, February 9th, 2024. Today, the Supreme Court weighs Trump's ballot eligibility under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Special Counsel Robert Hur's report on Biden's handling of classified documents is out and there will be no charges filed. Pete Navarro's request to stay out of prison pending appeal is denied. New York vigilantes take down a quote-unquote migrant live on Fox News, but as it turns out, he was from the United States. The Senate breaks the filibuster to open debate on a clean foreign aid bill. The ACLU settles with a Tennessee city on their unconstitutional drag ban. And Republicans admit in private that they killed a good border deal. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, my friend. Happy Friday. And as expected, Republicans are admitting behind closed doors that they killed a good border deal. <laughs> of course they are. And who's leaking this shit? We knew that they were doing this, but I, I hope this all goes public that they're like, yeah, we're, we're sabotaging this on purpose. Yeah. We spill the know tea they party. are. Spill the tea party, please. Mm hmm. Uh, and yeah, I mean, how many times do they have to admit it publicly? Oh, we're just doing this because we don't want to give Biden a win in an election year. We're just doing this because Trump told us not to. Like, how so many gross. times? Yeah, so it's gross. Awful. It's awful. Uh, and we have that and a lot of other stories to get to. Uh, but also, this it's Fugelsang Friday. So John Fugelsang will be joining us later. I'm always excited Woo-hoo! about that. You can catch his show on Sirius XM Progress, Channel 127, weeknights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific. It's called Tell Me Everything, and he is fantastic. So we'll talk to him in a bit about some of the news we're going to uh, talk about today. But we have some quick hits. And to make a long story short, too late. I didn't mean to sound so sad about having quick hits. Oh, we first we have some quick hits. Womp, womp. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I feel, hey, but first, quick hits. Yay. So first up, Robert Hur's report is out. And Biden is totally exonerated. Uh, there will be no criminal charges. And Robert Hur says there wouldn't be. Even if you could indict a sitting president, even if I could indict, you know, it's not because you can't indict a sitting president. I'm not indicting him because he didn't commit any crimes. There was not enough evidence to show willful retention of the documents beyond a reasonable doubt. Her laid out the difference between Biden and Trump in that Trump refused to give everything back where Biden cooperated fully, which drives home the point we've long made that Trump would simply not have been charged had he just complied with the subpoena and didn't obstruct justice. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of feelings in this report about Biden's memory, and I have a couple things to say about that. First of all, how many times do Republicans say, I do not recall or plead the fifth on the stand? Come on. All the time. Second, I kind of don't give a shit what Robert Hur's opinion is, since he was the guy who helped Rosenstein land the plane in the Mueller investigation by narrowing Mueller's scope. And uh, Joe Biden could have redacted the bad things about him in this report, but he didn't. Merrick Garland could have written his own four-page summary of the findings and then sat on the actual report for three weeks like Bill Barr did, but he didn't. But speaking on national security, what Biden did was more dangerous than what Hillary did, 
in my personal opinion, Mm -hmm. but nothing that rose or rises to the level of committing a crime. Quote, there are innocent explanations that we cannot refute, said Robert Herr. So that report is out. Pete and I talk a lot about it on the bonus episode of Clean Up on All 45 for patrons that will come out in the next day or two. Fantastic. Thank you, A.G. And this is fun. You know how Bannon got Judge Nichols, who is, as we know, a Trump appointee, to let him stay out of jail pending the appeal of his criminal contempt case? Remember that? Uh, Yep. Uh Well, the judge in Pete Navarro's case has denied that same request, which is hilarious. Pete Navarro will not be able to stay out of prison pending any appeal of his criminal contempt of Congress conviction. So fuck. Yeah. Mm, Bummer. I'm super sad for, for Pete. Pete and the poke. Uh, All right. Uh, The Senate today broke the filibuster of consideration of the clean aid package. That is the bill that sends aid to Ukraine, Gaza, Taiwan and Israel with no border stuff. So they will now debate this bill in the Senate. Lots of Republicans want to add stuff to this bill because it's a vehicle that might be able to get passed. Uh, We'll see how it comes out. But again, this is what we started with. And then Republicans cried and demanded that border stuff be put into it. So we said, okay, and we put the border stuff into it, and then they tanked it. I will be very pleasantly surprised if Republicans pass a bill with any aid to Ukraine. We'll see where it ends up. But they did get the votes to open up debate. Okay. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. (laughs) That's all I have to say. We'll see. Yeah. I don't trust any (laughs) of them right now. So we'll see. No. And it's just going to keep going around and around because now even Tim Scott is like, well, this clean package doesn't have any border stuff in it. It's like, really, bro? Really? Uh That's That's when your head wants to blow off. Yeah. And around and around the hypocrisy clown car we go. All right. We have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up from Lawrence Hurley at NBC. The Supreme Court on Thursday signaled deep skepticism that Colorado has the power to remove former President Trump from the Republican primary ballot because of his actions trying to overturn the 2020 election results. A majority of the justices appeared to think during the two hour argument that states do not have a role in deciding whether a presidential candidate can be barred from running under Section three of the 14th Amendment. People who engage in insurrection that prevents them from holding office. Justices from across the ideological spectrum raised concerns about states reaching different conclusions on whether a candidate could run, and several indicated that only Congress could enforce the provision at issue, which is what I thought they might rely on. Throughout the argument, the justices barely touched on the meaty issue at the center of the case, whether Donald Trump participated in an insurrection. The ruling is likely to hinge on that question, however. I thought they would probably steer clear of that. The Supreme Court, which has, as we know, a 6-3 conservative bent, is tackling several novel and consequential legal issues concerning Section 3 of the 14th Amendment and acted in the wake of the Civil War. Colorado voters filed a lawsuit saying Trump should be barred because of his efforts to defy the 2020 election results in events that led to the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Section 3, aimed at preventing former Confederates from returning to power in the U.S. government, says anyone who had previously served as an officer of the United States and was involved in an insurrection would be barred from holding federal office. Still seems pretty straightforward to me. I agree. But during the oral argument, justices pushed back on the idea that the provisions can be enforced by states. Chief Justice John Roberts said the whole point of the 14th Amendment was to restrict state power after the Civil War in an attempt to bring Confederate states into line and questioned why it would give states the ability to kick a presidential candidate off the ballot. 
Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson brought this up too. She said the history of the Fourteenth Section Three of the Fourteenth Amendment was to prevent the former Confederate states from infiltrating the government with state, you know, elected Confederates. Mm -hmm. uh, so they didn't seem to think this applied to federal people. Quote, wouldn't that be the last place you'd look for authorization for the states, including Confederates, to enforce the presidential election process, he asked. That's Roberts. Now, taking a similar approach, uh, Kavanaugh said it was clear from the language of the 14th Amendment that Congress has the primary role here. I disagree. Citing a Civil War era ruling, uh, much discussed in the briefing that marked an early interpretation of the provision, one, by the way, that was overturned. Justices also wondered about the practical implications of allowing the provision to be interpreted on a state-by-state -state basis. Quote, I think that the question you have to confront is why a single state should decide who gets to be president of the United States. And that was Justice Elena Kagan. And she said that to Jason Murray, the lawyer representing Colorado voters, also used to be a clerk for her. Quote, it seems quite extraordinary, doesn't it? She added. Justice Amy Coney Barrett uh, echoed that sentiment, saying it just doesn't seem like a state call. Conservative Justice Samuel Alito was among those who called states reaching different conclusions on the issue an unmanageable situation. Roberts predicted that if Colorado, if the Colorado ruling was upheld, some states would then kick other presidential candidates off the ballot, both Republicans and Democrats, and sow chaos in presidential elections. That's a pretty daunting consequence, he said. And this is kind of where I sort of get behind him, because if a Republican state legislature wanted to pass a law that's saying giving foreign aid to a country is insurrection, mm -hmm. you know, it would have yeah. to go all the way up through the courts and they could disqualify a Democratic president for doing that. So it does sort of, there is sort of a slippery slope here, but this, the Supreme Court did this in the Florida recount shit. And they yep. said, just for this case, and we're going to uh, do this. And, of you know, and so and now here we are. Uh, thank you. <laughs> the year 2000. The year 2000. No. Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson appeared to agree with that daunting consequence, asking why the authors of the 14th Amendment would have designed a system that could result in interim disuniformity in this way, where we have elections pending and different states suddenly saying you are eligible and you are not. I am certain, as I was before these arguments, that the Supreme Court will keep Trump on the ballot. And this, but this might be, I thought it would be 6-3. It might be 9-0. Could possibly be 7-2 or 8-1, depending on uh, whether uh, Kagan wants to dissent or Sotomayor. I vehemently disagree with this, but I am certain they will not grant him immunity in the other case. And it's of note, Dana, that Scalia and Kavanaugh today in these arguments both insinuated Trump is not immune from being prosecuted for crimes. They're like, Good. there's a way to keep somebody off the ballot, and that's to charge a former president with inciting an insurrection. And, you know, that's that implies that a former president is not immune from prosecution, which doesn't look good for um, the immunity case, whether they take it to affirm it or deny cert to, a, you know, to leave the, the D.C. Circuit Court's ruling in place. I'm 100 million percent sure they are not going to grant Trump immunity. Oh my God, I I actually agree with you on these beans. I would be I would be shocked that our democracy would be over with that ruling. Okay, this one's from the Guardian. So as Sean Hannity was interviewing the founder of the Guardian Angels, which is a New York City-based vigilante group known for targeting immigrants, 
An off-screen disturbance took place and the camera panned to show a group members confronting an unidentified man, pushing him to the sidewalk and placing him in a headlock. The bizarre incident played out Tuesday night during the primetime segment on Fox News meant to highlight alleged disorder and crime Hannity claimed was caused by asylum seekers arriving in New York City. So Curtis Sliwa, the Guardian Angels founder, okay, this is what he said. Quote, in fact, our guys have taken down one of the immigrant guys on the corner of 42nd and 7th, where all of this has taken place. Throwing his hands up in the air, he added, they've taken over. Okay, the man is not a migrant, but rather a New Yorker from the Bronx. <laughs> and, you know, I would agree. I think the border between the Bronx and Manhattan needs to be more secure. Um, <laughs> this is what police said on Wednesday afternoon, by the way. Though Sliwa claimed the man had been caught shoplifting, the police provided no evidence to support that allegation. So they just attacked him and beat him up because he was brown. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. And they caught it on national television. While the disturbing altercation played out, as I said, on national television, Hannity blasted Democrats, quote, for the surge of Joe Biden's unvetted illegals in New York. And again, that's a quote. That's not what I'm using. He went on to say, and that could be because the so-called border czar is a little distracted right now, alluding to the vice president, Kamala Harris. According to New York Police Department spokesperson, officers arrived to find a man detained by bystanders after he allegedly tried to disrupt a live interview. Police said the man had been issued a disorderly conduct summons because he had been acting in a loud and threatening manner on a public sidewalk. The spokesperson did not respond to question about whether any member of the Guardian Angels were under investigation for their role in the altercation. The incident came after a brawl in Times Square between police and a group of people generated waves of backlash against the city's asylum seekers. Some advocates for immigrants have blamed local officials in the police department for stoking fears of, quote, migrant crime wave, even as the city's crime rate remains largely unchanged since the arrival of tens of thousands of asylum seekers. In an interview with the Associated Press, Sliwa said he had believed the man was a migrant because he had been, quote, speaking Spanish and because other guardian angels had encountered him with other Spanish speakers on previous patrols. Oh, well, I mean, if I mean, listen, you speak Spanish, you must be an immigrant. That's the most fucked up thing in the story, by the way. And if this guy was an immigrant, you don't get to beat him up and detain him. And fuck, yeah. This, yeah, this old vigilante group, I just can't. It's a quote from the story. He was put down so he wouldn't hurt himself or anyone else, said Sliwa, who had admitted in the past that he has fabricated stories of criminal behavior to sensationalize the issue of immigration. Go fuck yourself. The Guardian Angels have been a fixture in New York City since 1979 when Sliwa founded the group to patrol the streets and subways during the city's high crime days. Members have drawn criticism, including allegations of targeting people of color. Well, that Hmm. seems to be true in the story. City Council member Eric Botcher, who represents the area around Times Square, said the group should not be detaining people without legal authority. Hello. Yeah, Botcher said vigilanteism is not the answer. When civilians take justice into their own hands, it can escalate conflicts and lead to even more dangerous situations, putting everyone at risk. End quote. Fucking guardian angel dickheads. I know. God. I'm going to ask John Fugelsang what he thinks about that story later in the show. I can't wait to hear. (laughs) All right. Next up from Mackenzie Hawkins at Bloomberg. Saudi Arabia has told the bankers and consultants it works with 
that they risk prosecution and prison time if they cooperate with an investigation by the United States into the planned merger of the PGA Tour with Live Golf. That's according to congressional testimony. The kingdom's public investment fund sued its advisors in a Saudi court in November in order to prevent them from submitting information to the United States Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs. Violating the court order could lead the kingdom to imprison executives and their staffers for 20 years. That's according to a veteran investment banker named Michael Klein, one of the top advisors to the fund. Quote, this represents aberrant behavior for a client and, quite frankly, for the PIF, who has historically been a client that has operated with best practices of governance with us. That's what Klein said at a hearing held by the committee. He testified alongside Boston Consulting Group's Rich Lesser, McKinsey's Bob Sternfels, and Tenio Strategy Chief Executive Officer Paul Keery. U.S. lawmakers slammed the advisors for not cooperating with the inquiry, noting the firms have only provided a fraction of the documents demanded in congressional subpoenas. Quote, the PIF has been explicit that the disclosure of information relating to BCG's work for PIF is a violation of Saudi law, which imposes criminal penalties for disclosing or disseminating such information, including imprisonment of 20 years. That's what Lesser said in his prepared testimony. We risk criminal and financial penalties for the firm and for individuals working or living in Saudi Arabia. Senator Richard Blumenthal said the investigation panel on the committee has never conceded a claim of foreign sovereign immunity over commercial documents, warning that it sets a dangerous precedent that could inhibit lawmakers' ability to do their job. It's simply staggering, Blumenthal says, that American companies are not only willing to accept this claim, allowing the Saudi government to determine what's permitted to provide this subcommittee, but also that they would use it to justify their refusal to comply with a duly issued congressional subpoena. The lawmakers have been vocal about their opposition to live golf, despite assurances by the PGA in July that the kingdom's public investment fund would only be a minority investor in the PGA. U.S. investors were being considered to help finance the transaction in an effort to ease political opposition to the deal. Last week, the PGA Tour approved an investment as, of as much as $3 billion by Strategic Sports Group in a new commercial entity, while talks for an injection by Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund remain ongoing. All right. Thank you so much, A.G. And file this one under good news, at least in my opinion. This is from the Associated Press. A Tennessee city must pay $500,000 as part of a settlement with the American Civil Liberties Union and other groups over an ordinance designed to ban drag performances from taking place on public property. This is what the attorneys announced Wednesday. Last year, the Tennessee Equality Project, a nonprofit that advocates for LGBTQ rights, filed a federal lawsuit after Murphy. <laughs> Murfreesboro? 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 Probably oh Murfreesboro. It's probably Murfreesboro. This one's going to be tough. Okay, Murfreesboro. Burrow. I'm not even drinking, people. Um, after Murphy's Borough leaders, someone send in a correction, please. Yes, please. Leaders announced they would no longer be approving any event permit requests submitted by the organization. At the time, the city alleged that the drag performances that took place during TEP's 2022 Pride event resulted in, quote, illegal sexualization of kids, end quote. Narrator. It did not. TEP denied the shows were inappropriate, countering that the performers were fully clothed, 
However, the city not only vowed to deny TEP permits, but also decided later to update its, quote, community decency standards intended to assist in the uh, determination of conduct, materials, and events that may be judged as obscene or harmful to minors. Yeah. So no, basically, you don't have to take your clothes off anymore. But if you're dressed as the opposite sex, that's also obscene. Uh, Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So Murphy's Murphy's Murphy's. Hold on. Murphy's. Here's the thing. It's M-U-R-F-R-E-E-S-B-O-R-O. Right. So not Murphy's bro, but Murphy's Murphy's bro. So but it's probably just like it's probably just like bro. It's pretty, it is it's probably, probably like bro. That's how you. <laughs> that's how you say it in Tennessee. Murphro. Tennessee Tennesseans. So I'll, I'll text Phil Williams, but send me what how this is pronounced. I must please. Know. So the city is located about 34 miles south of Nashville. Eventually, a federal judge temporarily blocked this city from enforcing the ordinance while the lawsuit proceeded. It's like San Francisco, the city. The city. On Wednesday, the ACLU announced the case had reached a settlement. Under the agreement, the city, by the way, not only agreed to pay $500,000, but also to repeal the ordinance and process any upcoming event permit application submitted by TEP. Hell yes. This is so they have great. to pay a shitload of money and take away, like, you know, repeal their stupid fucking law. I love it. And this is a quote. The government has no right to censor LGBTQ plus people and expression. These are from attorneys at the ACLU, ACLU of Tennessee, Ballard Spar, and Byrne Foreman in a joint statement. They went on to say more important than the monetary recovery, this state, this settlement sends a clear message that the city's discrimination against the LGBTQ plus community was blatantly unconstitutional and that this type of behavior will no longer be tolerated here or anywhere else across the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, a spokesperson for the city of Murfreesboro didn't immediately respond to an email for comment. The legal challenge is the latest development on the ongoing political battle over LGBTQ rights in Tennessee, where the state's conservative leaders have sought to limit events where drag performers may appear, restrict classroom conversations about gender and sexuality, and ban gender-affirming care. This is a big fight ahead of us. This is one small win in a big battle. Yes. Yes. And our inability to pronounce Murfreesboro is not a reflection on the good people of that city. No, I really my my brain and it's getting me tongue tied to get that word out. Definitely no offense to anyone in Murfreesboro. It's that extra R. It is the extra R. Murfrees. Yeah, because Murfreesboro, I could say that Murfreesboro. (laughs) (laughs) I want everyone at home right now to try and say this. Murfreesboro. There we go. Murfreesboro. See? (laughs) It's hard. It's very difficult. Um, And so please, my fellow Tennesseans of of the Leguminati, let us know. Yes, please. If there's an easier way to say the city. To the good news. We want to make sure we get it right and do the city justice. Thank you, AG. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, We'll be back with the good news. But first, John Fugel saying, but we have to take a quick break. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. By now, you have most likely heard about Microdose, which is an exciting new revolution in wellness that makes lives better across the nation. Microdosing uses minuscule amounts of THC to supercharge your well being and spark creativity. It's helped me out, and it will help you too. 
Microdose sent me gummies so I could learn more about getting in the zone. You can try it too. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com, promo code dailybeans, and it's available nationwide. It only takes a tiny amount, a small dose to enhance my daily life. It helps me out when I'm exercising, when I'm going to sleep. It makes it easier to stay in the zone when I'm trying to write and be my most effective. Microdose also turns up the focus on my creative projects, increasing my productivity and saving me time. Microdose takes me through the end of my day, helping me to ease my anxiety, relax my shoulders, unclench my jaw. Everybody unclench your jaws. And it helps me fall asleep at night. Taking microdose has a subtle but positive effect no matter when I take it and what I'm doing. I feel more balanced, less stressed. I'm even in a better mood in general. I love it. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com, promo code dailybeans. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com, promo code dailybeans for 30% off and free shipping. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Friday. That means it's Fugle Sang Fridays. And we're joined by my friend, host of Tell Me Everything on Sirius XM Progress, Channel 127, weeknights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific. And he has his own standalone podcast that you can listen to for free if you don't subscribe to Sirius. And that's called The John Fugle Sang Show. And you get that wherever you get your podcasts coming to us from the road. So if it sounds like he's in a distant land, it's because he is in the distant land of Florida. Yes, I am. Please welcome John Fugel saying, hi, John. Hi, I am here in Florida where Ron DeSantis's political ambitions come to die. Hello. It's great to be back. <laughs> Hello. It's good to see you. Yes. Land of the Rat, um, also known as Mickey Mouse. Um, yes. We are uh, very glad to have you. And thank you for joining us from the road. I, I do appreciate that. Allison, I'd love to. It's, it's a big week that the do-nothingest house in history found a way to do even less. We have to talk about these things. They sure did. Let, well, let's start there. We were going to start with uh, uh, something that happened in New York the other day that Fox News got on tape, and, and we'll talk about that idiocy. <laughs> but let's talk about the abject failure, the first time in 160 years, where an impeachment vote failed on the House floor and the reason is because they were certain that Rep. Al Green would be under the knife and unable to vote. And they that, therefore it was trickery, not their slim margin, not the fact they had to oust a guy for being a criminal and was convicted on 23, not convicted, but charged with 23 felony counts. And they had to oust George Santos, not because right. the red wave was prevented because everybody hates them and their ideas and they don't have a massive margin uh, to, to play with with votes, not because they can't count. But because Representative Al Green showed up in a wheelchair in a hospital gown, which is a backwards cape when you think about it, and cast that that tying no vote, which forced one of the Republicans to vote no so that they could bring it up again and try again later. Let's talk about that abject failure and their failure to uh, to pass the border bill that they wanted on suspension because they couldn't even get out of the rules committee and their failure. I mean, they just they they failed spectacularly this week. Yeah. And Al Green, let's not forget, Al Green signed a waiver to leave the hospital. He didn't even wear shoes. He called an Uber for himself. They wheeled him in. He had to have the Capitol doctor monitoring him at all times. And he just came in to do it and voted. And Mike Johnson has compared himself to Moses so many times. 
I, I finally think he deserves it. He was right. He has led his tribe in circles in the wilderness, and now they all hate each other. It's just like Moses. He has he has parted the Red Sea. Uh, oh yeah, he's, he's divided the Red Party into two factions. He's so parted the Red Caucus. Yeah, yeah. I, I I find this helpful in cases like this, Ms. Gill, to try to to try to write uh, Dr. Seuss poems to explain this to children because my son's eleven. He asked me to explain the news this week. I I can't do it. So um, if, if if you will, this is me in a few seconds trying to sum up the Republican week. Uh, Mayorkas impeachment imploding, their border deal non-starting. Trump's immunity defense eroding, Ronna McDaniel departing. It's not much of a mystery why they're in this mess. The most do-nothingest house in history found a way to do even less. Trump and his Congress deciding that they need some chaotic disorder, and then they can blame it on Biden, so they killed their own deal on the border. Trump and Mike Johnson colluding because they have no middle-class policies. Tucker's groveling over Putin. Nikki Haley lost Nevada to none of these. Scaring off the women and Gen Zers from Arizona to Wisconsin. A busy week in the careers of Trump and his mean little Johnson. Thank you. <laughs> mean little Johnson. Excellent double entendre at the end. I mean, Thank you. that's it. They literally like Ronna McDaniels got shoved out of the party this week because Donald Trump was so unpopular in 2018, 2020, 2022 and 2023. That they threw out, and, and the reason why the RNC is hemorrhaging money is because no one donates to Republicans anymore. And he's all spending it all on, on legal bills. Save America PAC. Everyone donates the Save America PAC. So when you donate to Trump, E. Jean Carroll gets to go shopping and Ronna McDaniels gets fired. It's yep. And Ivanka kind of and Jared get their legal bills paid and Trump gets his legal bills paid. So that's, that's where your right. donations to the Save America PAC are going as as well as uh, <laughs> lawyers for the for the kids. Right. And Ivanka, right. Don Jr. and Eric, five point three million dollars to them. Uh, so right. the, wh why, I wonder, they're taking donations from the Save America PAC, Ivanka and Jared, for, for $2.3 million when they got $2 billion from, from the Mohammed Bonesaw. I don't really, I can't really put that together, but they're, they're using your money for that. Not you listening yeah. to this program, but, you know. They're not using the Bonesaw blood money to pay their legal bills. They're using MAGA. And this is after they've broken up with dad. So the whole thing, the whole thing stinks like Ted Cruz's hamper. I don't know what this is about. But, um, you know, just so you know, when when you donate to Save America, you are bankrupting the Republican Party on the state level. All 50 states are struggling and the national RNC. And it, to me, it was the most modern Republican moment of the week that they forced Ronna McDaniel out. You know, when they when they had Michael Steele, he won elections and they got rid of him right away. But Rana, they kept her in there for years and years and years. And now they're going to blame her on Donald Trump's unpopularity. And the best part of the week for me was when Matt Gates came out and said he wished Kevin McCarthy was still in the House. It, it just it just doesn't get more petulantly perfect than that. Well, they got rid of McCarthy, who was the only guy who could raise money for them. He was doing uh, yeah. uh, amongst his many failures. He was actually able to raise pretty uh, decent amounts of money for for the RNC. But You're here right. we are. And now I'm I'm assuming Ron McDaniel can add the Romney back to her name now that she's no longer the RNC chair. Um, probably won't. But it's but like 
But like these guys, Allison, like last year, what were they saying to us? We have to help Zelensky. Last year, they were still on board with helping repel Russia's invasion. They were saying we have to help Israel last year in their fight against Hamas. And we have to do something about uh, the border and be tougher on the migrants. It's 2024. We're only five weeks into the year. And the House and Senate GOP have almost unanimously destroyed a bill that was designed to fix the three things they cared about. The, the bill because they Donald wrote. Trump said so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wrote. but think about John Katko, the guy they sent to give all their demands to the January 6th committee. Then they fired him. Uh, Mitch, Mitt Romney telling the truth about Trump. Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, James Lankford, creepy doll come to life to make this draconian bill. This bill is so right wing on immigration. Amnesty International has said that Joe Biden is as cruel as Donald Trump. That's their comment about this. And it's not cruel enough for Republicans. James Lankford has been sent to the cornfield. Republicans don't want problems solved. And if you solve a problem, they will cancel you. Maybe the Republicans should stop firing the competent ones. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, who knows what they're going to do? But the the red the red caucus is parted, Moses. Thank it you. Is. Uh, I wanted to go over uh, a story that uh, I thought, you know, I, I thought of you and what you talk about um, about the treatment of immigrants uh, in in this country when when I read this story. And this is from uh, the Guardian. I'll just give you the here the top lines: a Sean Hannity show on his show. Yeah. Uh, and he was interviewing the founder of the Guardian Angels, a New York City-based vigilante group known for targeting immigrants. An off-screen dis disturbance took place while this interview was going on, and the camera panned over to show a group of members confronting an unidentified man, pushing him to the ground and placing him in a headlock. The bizarre incident played out Tuesday night during the primetime segment on Fox News, The Hannity Show, meant to highlight... The alleged disorder and crime that Hannity claimed was caused by asylum seekers arriving in New York City. Curtis Sliwa, the Guardian Angels founder, proclaimed, in fact, our guys have just taken down one of the migrant guys on the corner of 42nd and 7th, where this has taken place. Throwing his hands in the air, he added, they've taken over. Now, I'm going to read this next paragraph in a second, but still, yeah. treating migrants that way, I think Matthew has something to say about that in the Bible. But yes. the man actually is not a migrant. He's a New Yorker from the Bronx. That's what police said on Wednesday afternoon, though Sliwa claimed the man had been caught shoplifting. The police said that that there's nothing that supports that allegation. So not only shoplifting are, in the middle of Times Square, he it was all outdoors, all of this. So it, I mean, not only are we attacking uh, who we think are migrants, but they're not even migrants. You got it. You know, I, I grew up in New York City. And when I was a teenager, they used to have these little pamphlets for the guardian angels to try to get guys to join. And they would tell you what number to call to, and, and, you know, what the guardian angels did. And more or less what they do are a bunch of men who wear these outlandish, garish red jackets and berets walk around the city and beat the crap out of people they've decided deserve it. They've always been vigilantes. That's all they've ever been. And the flyers they used to hand out, Allison, when I was a kid in the 80s were illustrations of a bunch of guys, black and white illustrations of a bunch of guys in the jackets and berets beating up a huge black man, like seven guys taking down one big guy. And you'd presume reading it, he must have earned it. He must have deserved something to do that. So nothing this guy, Curtis Lewa, does surprises me. They were Curtis and Lisa Lewa for many years. They were, uh, 
This right-wing vigilante couple, Lisa finally bailed, and Curtis has existed as this right-wing dope in New York City for decades. He did a radio show with Ron Kuby, who was one of uh, William Kunstler's protégés for a long time. More recently, Curtis Lewa was the Republican Party nominee for mayor of New York. And he's a goofball, and he's a moron, and his whole shtick is beating the crap out of brown people they've decided deserves it. He's really Joe Arpaio without cop school. And it was amazing to watch on Fox News if you watch, and everyone should watch the footage because Hannity is just like talking to him, making small talk and Curtis starts saying, oh yeah, we're taking down a guy. Eventually the camera spins around and you just see a mob beating up this one guy who we later learned was innocent. He was just brown. It is just like Arizona. And Sean Hannity had an amazing moment, Allison. He stood in for the entire Fox audience of seeing an injustice go down seeing a crime being committed, but it was against a brown person, so it was awkward, and he said nothing and moved on. It was the most morally true moment of Fox News revealing itself in their audience I've ever seen. Yeah, and I really hope that this guy from the Bronx sues Fox News and so. Sliwa into kingdom come. Um, that's... To your other point, though, both the only law in the Bible about immigrants or borders in both the Old and the New Testament is the commandment to welcome the stranger. In Leviticus, which is the book the homophobes love to quote all the time out of context, but that's where they say you have to treat the immigrant as if he's one of your own. And Jesus is very clear in Matthew 25, uh, when you don't welcome the stranger, you don't welcome me. There are no asterisks in the Bible on any of this. So they can be as cruel to migrants as they want. We could end the drug war and maybe stop the violence that are in their countries in Central America. I've done stand-up shows in Honduras and El Salvador. We have bases there because the drug war is still going on. And these people are fleeing the violence from our drug war. We could legalize all these drugs in this country and decriminalize them and regulate them and tax the shit out of them. Or you know what we could do? Just start arresting the white guys who do all the hiring. And then border crossings would stop. We're not going to do any of those things, Ms. Gill, as you well know, because the Republican Party needs low-wage, exploitable, marginalized labor, and because they have no plans to help non-millionaires, they need a border crisis, especially because inflation, gas prices, and Hunter Biden all seem to have gone away. Yeah, agreed. But they now have their new uh, Robert Herr report, uh, which completely has exonerated Biden, but I'm sure they will use as a cudgel. Um, against him for the next, sure. uh, you know, several months. Um, I mean, if they decide that's a big thing, I don't know how they can use it against him. I they mean, will. I they're impervious to hypocrisy. There's some passages in there about how uh, uh, Biden's memory was bad, like not good. Yeah. The, the difference is when, when the government asked for their stuff back, both Biden and Mike Pence gave it back and said, we're sorry. Really easy. When the government asked Donald Trump, he sent a few documents back and then dishonestly kept more He's not being charged for the stuff he stole and returned. He's only being charged for the stuff he stole and and didn't return while pretending he didn't have it. Right. And of course, when the, the Mueller report came out and there weren't any charges, they all said that uh, Trump was exonerated. Uh, but they won't do that here uh, for Biden, I'm sure. No. no. Um, all right. Well, before I let you go, I would just like to uh, pour one out. Um, for some somebody, this one hit me hard, and I know uh, you probably too. We lost Mojo Nixon this week, yeah, and um, that is a huge loss. I don't know if uh, everybody listening knows who Mojo Nixon is, uh, but uh, he was um, quite a pioneer 
He was a regular on my show, um, did my show every week for a couple of years. And during the pandemic, he made me laugh harder than anybody else. Um, Mojo was a different kind of punk rock in the 80s. And um, when he did uh, Elvis is Everywhere, which is part reverential to the king, part making fun of the king, MTV turned it into a really unlikely hit. Then MTV banned Debbie Gibson is pregnant with my two-headed love child. Mm -hmm. But that was the kind of crazy rockabilly country psychopunk that Mojo did. He was fearlessly political. He did. He worked at Outlaw Country on Sirius XM, and he talked to right-wing Southern dudes all the time. Mojo was somebody who was always, always on the side of the little guy, who always took on those in power, but with his psychotic country punk attitude. Um, I mean, Don Henley must die. That song, Don't Let Him Get Back Together with Glenn Fry. <laughs> Don Henley literally performed that song on stage with Mojo. He liked it so much. He had that effect on people. He was very magical. And after losing the Black Eagle, Joe Madison, just the other day, uh, it's been a really rough year so far for uh, wonderful broadcasters who helped keep me sane. Yeah. And um, uh, maybe uh, some folks will remember he was mentioned in the Dead Milkman song, Punk That's Rock right. Girl. If, you're, if you don't have Mojo Nixon, then your store could use some fixing. And, you know, when that picture came out of Trump retweeting himself saying he looked like Elvis, my very first thought was Donald John Trump's got no Elvis. No Elvis. And, <laughs> uh, and, and then all of a sudden the news uh, on Mojo Nixon and um, very sad, um, but what a yeah. life. And um, I just I wanted to to send my condolences to you because I know y'all were close. Yeah, I loved him. I mean, he just he he would just scream and holler on my show. And there's nobody in radio that made me laugh as consistently as Mojo. So, yeah, listen to his music. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. No one makes music like this anymore. And and listen to the the Dead Milkman, Punk Rock Girl. It's a, a terrific epitaph to have. I was I was honestly uh, touched and thrilled that so many people uh, had tweeted about how great Mojo Nixon was. I, I thought I was probably the only person in the world that had ever heard of him. Uh, nice. You know, but I mean, Debbie Gibson has, is pregnant with my two-headed love child. Like, we're, you think, I'm just weird. I'm the only one who knows about this amazing guy. But he was well-loved and well-respected uh, by yeah. tons and tons of people. And it's great to see the outpouring uh, of, of well wishes to, to his family and his legacy. So thank you, my friend. Everybody, please listen to uh, tell me everything it's uh, serious xm progress channel 127 weeknights 9 p.m eastern 6 pacific and the john fuglesang show podcast wherever you get your pods again thank you thank you so much for joining me i love talking to you uh every week um and uh, i can't wait to to see what we have to talk about next week allison it's an honor to drag your show down to my level and for the next two weeks i'll be broadcasting out of serious xm's hollywood studios so i'm going to make you come uh, zoom in and join us some evening that sounds like a deal. All right, Brilliant. everybody, stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, everyone. Then good news, everyone. And if you have any good news from Murfreesboro or anywhere else in the United States, you have confessions, corrections, you want to play What the Fark is in your ark, any animal you want to send to us, pod pet photos. If you don't have a pod pet, you can send us an adoptable pet in your area. Shouts out, I think is the proper way to pluralize that, to loved ones, kids, yourself. 
small businesses in your area, your small business. If you have a thesis or dissertation title, thesis or dissertation title you want to send us. I'm not sure why I pluralized it right there. You can send that into us. Um, <laughs> I love your stories. And I know Dana's loving your stories too about great care you receive at the VA and of course, student debt relief stories. Uh, we both, we love those so much. Uh, Whoopi stories, stuffed animal stories. I think our oldest one is 110 years old now um, for like blankies and whoobies and stuffies. Send those to us. We love those so much. Uh, anything, any bit of your family history you want to send to us, send it all to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up, Dana from Ross Lee, pronouns they and them. Just a disabled longtime fan here who sometimes has trouble asking for support. And I wanted to reach out to say thank you for the support you both offer me without even knowing it. It's been a long, isolating four years due to being immuno, uh, on immunosuppressants. You help me every single day to feel a bit of community, to see the humor amidst the madness, to understand the geyser of news, and to know that I'm not alone. And that is worth celebrating. So thank you for all of the above. Thank you both for all that you do. What Ross, a beautiful submission. Lee, I have to tell you, the not feeling alone thing is one of the most, it'll knock you on your ass with how powerful it is. Like, yeah. I remember when I first told my story about um, being sexually assaulted in the military, mm. I hadn't told anybody about my therapist. And my therapist said that, you know, Amy Jeering and uh, Kirby Dick are making a film called The Invisible War. Why don't you go talk to them? And I went and they interviewed me and I told my story to to the producers on camera. It was the first time I'd ever told anybody about my therapy, not even my family or friends. And, you know, I, I didn't know if they were going to use it, if it would end up on the cutting room floor. You know how often if you're in a, in a film, sometimes it doesn't make it into the movie. Uh, and when I went to the premiere, they I was like, I wonder how they're going to use my clip or if they're going to use my clip. And so I sat there and the way that they used the clip was in a montage of several other people who had the exact same shit said to them and done to them when they tried mm. to report, you know, are, what were you wearing? Were you drinking? Were you flirting? Are you single? Mm. Are you in a fight with your boyfriend? Uh, do you, you know, and then they would threaten us with, you know, a discharge for filing a false report. They threatened me. They threatened me with adultery, char adultery charges because my attacker was married. And like when I saw everybody, all these other people, Dana, saying the exact same thing, I, I immediately was like, I'm not crazy. Good. I'm not alone. And that feeling of that makes it so nobody can gaslight you anymore. It takes away so much anxiety. So Rosalie, I totally get that feeling of not feeling, of feeling like you're not alone anymore and how powerful it is. So this, this submission is very important to me. Thank you so much. Well said, my friend. Well said. This is from Tiffany, pronouns she and they. After 23 years of payments that covered my original loan what? amount- Yep. 23 years of times 1.7 with the remaining outstanding balance of about times 1.4 what I borrowed. The public service loan forgiveness program has set me free from over six figures of student loan debt. I finally feel like I can imagine bigger dreams with the financial freedom this loan forgiveness affords me. I cried. My parents cried. My friends even arranged a virtual happy hour to celebrate this receipt of my zero balance letter. I can't remember feeling this brand of joy before. I am ecstatic. Mm. 
For folks who think they're possibly eligible for forgiveness through um, PSLF, apply now. The expanded rules expire in October of this year, and the sooner you apply, the sooner you could feel the freedom I now know. Times are harsh, but there are bright spots. Being debt-free is my bright spot for now, and hopefully will be for a while. For pet tax, here's my Amstaff Penny having a rest with her brother Greg Maddox while they try to beat the SoCal heat. Thanks for all you do. There are no words for my appreciation for AG and DG and the hope you help us all share. Mm. Tiffany, thank you for that. Oh, man. 23 years. (sighs) What, like, just... The huge sigh of relief. Absolutely yeah. incredible. And these beautiful pets. Look at the chomps. Oh, so cute. So, so cute. All right. Note. Okay. Charlie is pronounced Charlie. Great. From Des D, pronoun she and her. I love when our producers give us notes. I'm like, am I supposed to read this out loud? <laughs> I listen every day to Beans, Jack, and Cleanup. Uh, it's become a ritual for me, and I'm so thoroughly impressed and grateful for the work you do. Thank you. Here's a shout out to my small business and my mom. The two go together. My mother and I run a small business in North County, San Diego, called Charlie, a hair studio. We design customized human hair, hair replacement systems for women experiencing hair loss, no surgery involved. Our business is geared towards women. We do have some male clients. My mom, Charlie, short for Charlene, uh, backed the business from scratch on her own 40 years ago and has garnered a huge clientele, some of whom have been coming here since the beginning from 40 years ago. I have known many of our clients since I was a little kid. I joined in the business after finally receiving my degree, but not really knowing how to apply it to a career so that I could make money required for my life in this outrageously expensive world, a story shared by so many millennials. Growing up, I I resented the assumption that I would just slip into my mother's shoes and take over her business one day. I wanted to find my own damn shoes and pave a unique career path for myself. But Over time, I've developed a deep appreciation for what my mom does. I realized I could do things with this business that are unique to my talents and education while spending precious time with my mom, who is also one of my very best friends. So I'm winning in more ways than my younger self ever could have envisioned. We work with women going through all types, uh, causes, and degrees of hair loss, from total hair loss, alopecia universalis, to patchy hair loss, alopecia areata, hereditary thinning, female pattern baldness, chemo medically related, gender transitioning. Uh, Oh yes, trichotillomania. That's when you pull your hair out, et cetera, et cetera. What we do has profoundly positive impacts on the lives of our clients. Helping people regain their confidence is beyond rewarding. We will link to charlie.com in the description. It's spelled C-H-A-R-L-E. And my pet tax is my two-year-old pup, Randy. He's a nut job, but we adore him. And yes, he always drives with me like this. <laughs> no. Oh, look at the love. Get yourself someone who looks at Des D the way that Randy looks that at Des D. That second picture. I know. Oh my gosh, this is so oh, sweet. <laughs> I know. Picture. The third picture. The leprechaun. <laughs> oh my God. What an incredible submission. And... Uh, thank you so much for what you do. Uh, how cool. 
Very beautiful. Thank you. This one's from anonymous pronoun she and her. My dog, Charlie, another Charlie, was diagnosed with an extremely rare form of cancer in late 2022, a trichoblastoma or cancer of the hair follicle. Normally this cancer is benign, but his is extremely aggressive and malignant. There are only three documented cancer similar to his in dogs in any of the literature. He had a couple of surgeries to try to remove the tumor, and they were unsuccessful. In January 2023, we made the tough decision to have to amputate his leg. The pathologist who examined the leg said that sadly the cancer was in the lymph nodes that they removed from his leg, and it had vascular invasion, meaning it was in his bloodstream. I'm a cancer researcher, and I knew that this was bad news. I figured we only had a few months left. Our vet suggested monthly chemo, and we'd see how it goes. We've been spoiling Charlie rotten all year with daily walks, regular hikes, plenty of play dates with his furry cousins. He's done remarkably well adjusting to his tripod status and takes chemo like a champ. Other than missing a leg, he hasn't shown any outward signs of being sick. Now to the good news. Despite having really bad initial results from the um, amputation, Charlie has some scans at the vet last week. They found no evidence of enlarged lymph nodes anywhere, and they think the cancer has stopped spreading. That's amazing. So much that they've recommended a three-month chemo holiday and a rain check to make sure the cancer still hasn't spread. The vet was really encouraged that the chemo has done its job. So Charlie and I will continue to get our daily walks while listening to the Daily Beans or Jack or Cleanup. Thanks for letting me share. Also, here's a picture of Charlie for What the Mutt. We haven't done a genetic testing, so your guess is as good as mine. We think he's part Schnauzer and Border Terrier, but 100% cute. (laughs) There's definitely Schnauzer and Terrier in this little baby. Oh, yeah. God loves a Terrier. So sweet. What a great outcome. I know. I agree. Mm. So, so good. All right. Next up from Stacy from Minnesota. Dear Double G's. Ooh, like it. All the right. Daily Beans is part of my morning routine and pairs well with coffee. I had an aha moment after a recent good news segment. Our Leguminati family should know there's another way to play What the Mutt for free. The Dog Aging Project is a long-term study and part of their process is a DNA test. Oh, so check out dogagingproject.org. Okay, cool. We'll have a link in the show notes. Our Lucy Liu is a PAC member, number 14,869 of the DAP. We adopted this shepherd mix, quote unquote, puppy five years ago, sharing Lucy's DNA results. Maybe you'll be as surprised as we were. She's a strong-willed girl who's not afraid to speak her mind all day, every day. Thank you both for all that you do. Uh, I'm uh, hopefully there will come a day when the former guy is never again mentioned in the news. Amen to that, Stacy. All right, let's see. Boxer, huh? The figure above displays an image of the top breed of your dog's ancestry. We detected nineteen point four percent boxer, and I don't I don't see a picture of of Lucy Lou here, or I would continue to guess. But there's Australian cattle. German Shepherd, Siberian Husky, that's the uh, not afraid to say what she wants, Rottweiler, Boxer, and 20, 23% unknown. Wow, <laughs> like and 27% quarter. others, which is bizarre. So like half of this dog is unknown and others. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we would have gotten it right. Uh, okay. Thank you. Thank you, AG. 
This one's from Sarah H., pronouns she and her. Hello, queens of the beans. In the good news on Monday's podcast, a listener gave a shout out to the NICU nurses who have been caring for his newborn, who thankfully is now home. I would like to take a moment to second that. I have two boys, currently 12 and 13, who spent time in the NICU. My younger son was born seven weeks early and weighed exactly four pounds. I referred to him as teeny tiny Daniel. The NICU nurses don't just take care of the tiniest and sickest babies. They also take care of and comfort their parents who are also going through a very difficult time. They even help me with skin to skin care or kangaroo care, which has been shown to be extremely beneficial to preemies. Days in the NICU are spent watching monitors for hours, punctuated by alarms and necessary activities. And through it all, the NICU nurses are there giving freely of their compassion and love for our tiniest beings and their families. They deserve all the accolades, but I rarely hear them acknowledged. And after caring for a tiny person, sometimes for months, they say goodbye and prepare to receive the next little one. They are the absolute best. I've attached a photo of me doing kangaroo care or skin to skin care with my younger son, teeny tiny Daniel, and a photo from a couple of years ago of Daniel, who is now over five feet tall at the age of 12 and very healthy. That's a for kid. pet tax, <laughs> I know. For pet tax, here are my two sister kitties from the same litter. I just bought them a new kitty condo, and apparently they love it. On the left is the black dragon claw, known as DC, and on the right is her sister Daisy, a tuxedo. Love you guys and all your podcasts. I feel very well informed during these wild times. And Sarah, this is a gorgeous, gorgeous picture of this kangaroo time, the skin on skin. Look at his tiny hand kangaroo on her care. The tiniest Adorable. baby. And now look at him. Yeah. Sweet, sweet eyes. What a handsome boy. And the two awesome. kitties. Awesome. Yes. And then there's two sister kitties. Hello, kittens. Oh, thank you. Everybody, thank you so much for these submissions. Send your good news to us. All of it. All of your good news. Right now. Go to the computer. Send it to us. Dailybeanspod.com. <laughs> Click on contact. Um, gosh, the end of another long week. Thanks to John Fugelsang for joining us. Uh, and, um, of course there'll be a new episode of Jack out. There is a bonus episode of Jack where we just cover the immunity ruling. If you haven't heard that yet, I highly recommend it. Uh, but we will be covered. We have <laughs> another hour's worth of stuff to cover this Sunday. So I'm really glad we put out that separate episode <laughs> because we oh my wouldn't goodness. have time yep. to cover it all. Um, so we appreciate that. There'll be a cleanup bonus. And then of course, later this afternoon, 4 PM is the daily beans patron happy hour on zoom and 3 p.m these are pacific times by the way uh, pacific time uh we have the cleanup at three so beans at 4 p.m pacific cleanup on aisle 45 for patrons at 3 p.m pacific so any uh, final thoughts before we get out of here not today okay everybody we'll be back in your ears on monday until then please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet take care of your mental health take care of your family vote blue over q and please take all your family with you. Go Taylor Swift, win the Super Bowl. Uh, thank, you, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, take everyone with you. Did I do? Did I do that right? And what yeah. do I say now? I've been AG. Uh, yep, that's it. All right, I've been AG. Now I'm right. I've been DG. That's <laughs> the beans. <laughs> that went well. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill, with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane. 
with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>